This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right. Welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast, Kevin and Chuck. Today, we're going to talk about, uh, well, tactics in suburbia. So what happens when you get stuck at the end of the world and the shit hits the fan and it turns out you live in the city? And I said suburbia, but we're really thinking more like city. Suburbs, outer edges, basically a bunch of houses that are too close together. I don't know. Really, everything is the city if it's not 10 acres a lot, you know? That's the way I see it because I get confused easy. But uh, anyway, so what happens uh, when you get stuck there and you got to find a way to get out? Because it turns out your city might become a sewer. Um, People, you know, when they have dead bodies, you can't really bury them 100 yards in the backwoods because... There is no hundred yards in the backwoods. You either just throw the body on the front lawn because it's all concrete and there is no uh, grass to be digging up or uh, so it's going to get stinky. It's going to get bad. The septics, you know, you don't even have a septic. You're going to have sewers. And guess what? Even if you're not flushing your waste, that shit's going to start backing up as those sewer plants back up. Um, Things will be coming back at you. Uh, no food is coming in. Nobody's growing any kind of reasonable food. Um, if you have your little outdoor tomato garden on the terrace in your high rise, yeah, that's kind of cool, but you're also kind of a target. So, you know, bottom line, you're going to want to get out. And especially if you're on that godforsaken island we call New York City, you're going to want to leave. But there's a lot of different things to consider when you're in the city, it's not the same as like, you know, warfare out in the woods, you know, as, as people think of like an evil level, even level playing field. Um, 
in the city, it's a totally different game. And there's a lot of things to consider and there's a lot of rats to deal with. So I don't know, Kevin, what what are you thinking? Where where do you want to start today? Well, before we get into the urban tactical, I just want to touch real quick on uh, uh, Alexei Navalny. He's the uh, yes. He's the guy in Russia. They um, uh, about three months ago they they poisoned him with a nerve agent. Um, now I don't know about you. I, I feel like I remember quite a bit of uh, uh, my my chemical weapon uh, training and and different different types of agents, blistering agents and nerve agents and that sort of stuff. This one though is is different. This one is brand new. Extra special. It's it's related to a lot of other chemical weapons that that Russia has used before. But this one has never been used before and haven't they haven't seen it again since. And it's uh they call it a Novichok agent. Hmm. Now uh he got he he was interesting because he he was leaving a plane from Russia. He had criticized Putin's government about uh Valerius. And uh he was leaving the country and got violently ill on the airplane. So they put him in a, he went in and they induced him in a coma when they got him down and they found this nerve agent in him, fucking him up. Now, nerve agents are really nasty fucking things because they attack, they attack your nervous system, you know, basically, you know, as you you know, you become paralyzed slowly. And, uh, so he, he was in a coma for three months and, uh, they finally got out. He flew back to Russia and they put him in jail for, uh, uh, for uh, for a parole violation because he had been in a coma and he couldn't check in. So they put him in jail for two years. Two and a half years, I think, is what they sentenced him to. And everybody in Russia like went out in the streets and they were protesting. But Russia, they handle protests different than they do in the United States. So they just basically arrested everybody. And uh, I saw them out there with the clubs. They were doing their, they were doing their work. They were just beating, beating the shit out of everyone. So that's what's going on in Russia right now. But it's interesting because before he came back, he disguised his telephone number as coming from the ministry of uh, one of the ministries in Russia. And he called one of the people that poisoned him. And he was like, mm-hmm. hey, uh, how did you guys poison that dude? Because he's still alive. And the guy's like, I don't want to talk about it on an unsecured line. And he's like, this is an emergency. We need to know what to do. And now this is the guy they poisoned on the phone. Right, and the guy that poisoned didn't realize it was the same dude, and so he tells them all about how they did it. They went into their house and they put it on the band of his underwear. So when he put on his underwear and got dressed, that poison slowly seeped through his skin, and so he didn't get sick until you know a few hours later when he was on the plane. So the key takeaway is don't wear underwear. Don't wear underwear. One, and two, don't criticize Vladimir Putin. No, don't fuck with that guy. And how come Vladimir Putin's face looks like the guy from that, the the scream, you know, that painting? He looks like a vampire. He looks like he's been alive for a thousand years and just lives off the blood of virgins. I mean, I'm not saying that's well, what's happening. It just means that. Anyway, all I'm saying right, is so I wouldn't wear underwear for the next week. I wouldn't wear underwear no. for the next week if I was you. And Yeah, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm I'm swearing off underwear and, altogether. Never again. Smart. And the uh-huh. big takeaway here is uh sounds like you need to get out of the city. Well, out of the country. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, now 
this might seem far-fetched if you're in the United States as far as being stuck in a city and, and you know, dealing with, like, violent conflict going on. But it's happening in a lot of places in the world right now. It's yes. happening in Syria. It's happening in Iraq. It's happening in I- Iran. It's ha- well, maybe not so much in Iran there. They're just putting everybody in prison too. But you just put them it's in happening prison. in a lot of places. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's just this is just an idea of, of what you might be dealing with if you're living in the city. So I went right. and was looking, looking through some papers uh, uh, written by um, officers and, and teachers at West Point. And okay. they have eight basic rules for uh, urban warfare. Um, so the first one is uh, the urban defender has the advantage. Now basically what that means is if you're in the city... You know the way, you know, you know the different places, in and out. You you can, no places to hide. You know what buildings are concrete, steel. It's know, easier to be entrenched. Windows, right. You're already entrenched and you already have, you know, the way more modern cities are built. You have bunkers is what you have, you know. Yeah. And your supplies but, uh, are already there in stage. Right. Anyone, yeah, exactly. Anyone moving in has to basically move in from open checkpoints, you know, whether it's bridges or, uh, you know, major highways. So they're out in the open, exposed, anybody that's coming into the city. So that's, you know, number one that... Uh, now, now, let me stop you there, to... though, because this goes, this is a double-edged sword here. Yeah, you're good, but this is actually going to be a negative for you as an individual wanting to get out. Because... Those same things that Kevin just pointed out of there are all these checkpoints. These are the same checkpoints that are going to be stopping you from leaving. And all the people you're going to be passing by as you're sneaking out are going to be the people that are entrenched and ready with their supplies and in a uh, fortress, you know, a bunker, if you will. Right. These people are ready and looking for targets. Right. One of the advantages of of um, being in the city is that <clears throat> is that you have all those things stockpiled, and the the person that's trying to hold the city wants to keep as many civilians like you in as as a shield. You know, you don't necessarily want the regular population leaving. Because that's what's keeping, you know, military from bombing, bombing, uh, you know, bombing them out, you know. So number two is when the government bombs cities of its own people. Everyone's got a cell phone camera now. (laughs) The urban urban terrain reduces the attacker's advantage in intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance, uh, the utility of aerial assets, and the attacker's ability to engage at a distance. So what that means is you can have total cover from air, you know, from, from anybody looking in, they can't necessarily see where your forces might be or enemy forces might be, or where you are, who's just trying to get out of the city is they can't tell any of that. So they're kind of walking in blind when they attack. And usually the conflict is so close that any kind of artillery or anything is completely useless because it's so hard to separate for you from the guy who's 10 feet away from you. You know, they can't pinpoint. Right. Well, they can. And we did some amazing things in, you know, 
in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, you know, they, they were able to really, you know, Hey, that house right next to us is screwing us. And we're in this house across the street. They were able to level some buildings, but it greatly reduces, you know, the, uh, the ability of support, basically artillery support or air support. Mm -hmm. So, now, number three is uh, the defender can see and engage the attacker coming because the attacker has limited cover and concealment. And they also have limited access points. Um, you know, you can control when there's a street with a building on either side. Well, if you go through and secure each one of the buildings, then they can only come from two directions, you know. Um, and like you said, there is no cover and concealment if you're able to close up the buildings, you know, so there's no back secret entrances where they can pop out of any door. And that's the problem right. is the guys who are entrenched can pop out of any door. And that's right. where they you know, run into trouble. They know where the locks are and they know, you know, they know how to, how to, you know, secure entryways. Right. Uh, so number four is buildings serve as fortified bunkers that must be negotiated. Now, I found some interesting tactics as far as defending a building from being, you know, say you have four or five people with, you know, entrances and windows and all sorts of stuff. You can set that up or somebody can set that up and the people going in are going to be walking into whatever has already been staged for them. You know, if you kick, you know, or blast through a door and you gain access, well, now you're in whatever they, they have ready for you, you know? So where it serves as a bunker for, for the defender, the attacker, you know, has to negotiate these fortified positions. Right. And uh, I mean, that's the thing they, you know, it's so easy to set up a kill zone or some kind of designated area. They basically can force you into certain areas by controlling the environment. And that's the thing with inside a city or close quarters like that when you, you can control the environment, um, you know, out in a field in a forest, they can come from 360 degrees and, you know, here you're able to really funnel the enemy into a tough area. And that's the problem when you're trying to get out is you can be funneled into that tight area. You know, everything can be turned around here and it's not good for the person moving about. And that's where you, right. you know, really look, run into trouble. Number yeah. four. Number five. The attackers five. must use explosive force to penetrate buildings. Now that kind of goes, we already kind of, we're talking about this. But, you know, you, you can't just run up and open a, open a door if somebody's in there and prepared for you, you know. The doors Unless are it's the glass. The doors. Nobody's going to just be leaving doors open. You know, if you're trying to head out of your house, you're not, not going to be like, well, I'll just leave my door unlocked in case somebody needs to come in here. No, everybody's yeah. locking up everything. You know, because yeah, you, you, everyone has. Right. Everyone has it. that. Yeah, exactly. Everyone has that normalcy bias where, well, it's going to be OK and we're going to come back. I don't want to mm -hmm. leave my stuff because, you know, somebody might take my stereo. Do people even have stereos anymore? I don't even know if that's a thing, I, but I no, I I, I don't think that. I haven't seen a stereo, but I don't even think we have DVD players anymore. It's just nothing. Somebody's going to yeah. take my big screen and my fire yeah. stick 
How about that? Right. You like there that? You. I'm, I'm modern and hip now. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to take my big screen and my fire stick and they're going to carry it off, especially since LED TVs are light as shit now. And mm-hmm. they're going to run off with it, even though there hasn't been electricity in the city in three days, you know, but they're going to be ready when it comes back on. So right. you're under the impression that that's going to happen. So people lock up and secure and are like, well, whoever gets it will get the good supplies or whatever. I don't know. But right, right. But you have that idea where, where you lock things up. Everybody locks things up when they leave. And that's going to be a problem, you know, as far as finding cover. If you suddenly find yourself in a bad situation. Um, number six is the, the defender must maintain relative freedom of maneuvering within the urban terrain. So what that means is basically if you're setting up to defend a city, you want to have points where, you know, I can jump from this building to the roof of this building. You know, I can right. climb, you know, climb out this window and run down this back alley in and into a different building. You know, you want to think have, daredevil. Right. You know, and I would say if you think you're going to get in a, you know, like a serious urban, you know, combat situation, practice your parkour, man. Practice, uh, you know. I got to say, if you live in the city, parkour uh is, one, you can save on the gym membership. And Mm -hmm. two, you're going to freaking, you know, be able to get away. You want to be great with small, small weapons, handguns, Mm -hmm. whatever. And, you know, there's always a dead guy you can take a gun off of. You know what I mean? Come on, really. I've seen lots of movies and there are guns just lying around everywhere. This is America. There is a gun behind every bush. There is a gun behind every bush. Not a lot of bushes in the city. That's the problem. But, uh, you know, I do, I do know in a lot of cities, you know, all over the world, firearms are, are strictly prohibited. So, you know, you might not even have a uh, firearm or, you know, maybe you do in 20 rounds, but that might not be enough. But in tight situations like that, you know, you don't necessarily want to be running up a street with a with a knife, you know. So or do you? I would be very conscientious about what you arm yourself with if you don't have a, a gun, you know, an axe, something big, something to, something to get ready and, and move with, you know. But that's just my opinion. All right. All right. I like your axe, though. Yeah. They got those in the, in the you know, you break. break and I've, notes, heard, right? I've heard that every house in New York City has an axe in it, so. Like that's, that's a really popular, you know, item. Crowbars, so. are, crowbars are good. People got crowbars. Tire iron, yeah. even though they don't have tires. Yeah, because <laughs> nobody has cars. No. Well, I mean, the, and and the cars are probably not going to be moving anyway. Even if you did get a car and started driving somewhere, you probably hit a traffic jam immediately. Well, that's the downside to New York City is it's an island. Yeah. That's right. Now, neither attacker, attackers nor defenders can concentrate their forces against the other. Now, this is okay. a big thing when it comes to large-scale uh, large scale invasions, like they had in, in Aleppo and Fallujah and some of the bigger cities that have been invaded by, uh, you know, larger US forces. forces. Right. Right. So you, so you can move, you know, move thousands of troops in. But only certain amount, you know, certain amount of vehicles and people are going to move through each, be able to move through each section of the city at a time. So, right. I mean, if we could just set, you know, a couple fifty cows and go in and level things, that'd be great. But that doesn't 
It doesn't work in the city. Women and kids are stuck, you know, hiding out in there. So, you know, it is one of those things back to the, to the cell phone cameras. Everybody knows what the government's doing and nobody wants to look shitty, you know? Um, now, number eight is, is the last one here. Um, the underground serves as a refuge uh, for the, as the defender's refuge. Now, this is interesting because uh, in a lot of places, what they were doing was doing some bombing. You know, they bombed the city and all the women kids would get down, you know, down in the basements, down in the underground area to, you know, as a, as a safe place. Right. Uh, so what they did in Syria to combat this problem was the Syrian government bombed the city. Everybody went down to the basements, you know, and then they, then they dropped uh, uh, chlorine gas on top of everything. Now, chlorine gas is, is a blistering agent, and that mm. seeks the lowest point. So it goes down first down to the streets and then fil- starts filtering down in all, in all the basements where people are hiding. And it's a good way, like, if you wanted to just poison all the kids everybody's hiding, yeah. that's how you do it. And they managed okay. to kill, like, 50 kids. Uh, Kevin, that, that sounds hurtful. Mean, aggressive. I think there's a lot of hate in your heart. Yeah. Well, well, all I'm saying is if you are in a situation like this and you're dealing with groups that have no problems about killing people, you know, be aware of the signs of chlorine gas poisoning. So Um, you're one of those people that thinks that people should be able to protect themselves and take action to prevent bad things from happening? So you would would side with, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sometimes sometimes it's good to prepare for things, different, you know, different types of situations. So you would side with people should be allowed to own body armor and that we shouldn't ban it in order to stop shootings. Yeah, no, that that one never really made sense to me. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, so there are ways to prepare. I see, you always see the, the prepper shows that doomsday preppers or whatever. They all have the gas mask. They're ready for... You know, and I'm Ready sure there are masks that can help you out with chlorine gas. I don't know, mm-hmm. really. It's not my. There are. They're not. There are. They're not cheap. They're not no. the N95s. Oh no, the N95 won't do it. Then I'm in trouble. No, I won't do it. You need like legit chemical weapon gas mask. All right. Now, what about the uh, in the Navy? We always used to have the the atropine, the the little mm-hmm. shot that you you stick in your thigh. And they're like, yeah, when Saddam gets us, stick this in your thigh. Yeah, no, hey, that's not – that won't protect against that one either. That's, I'm, that's date, I'm dating myself uh, now, yeah. though, that yeah. that I'm telling yeah. you that they were warning me about Saddam getting us. So, yeah. Chlorine gas is an interesting one because chlorine gas can be, be made very cheaply. Like a government could produce chlorine gas enough to kill – you know, wipe out an entire city for a couple of thousand dollars. It's super cheap to make and very easy. You know, you could get, you know, 55-gallon drums of chlorine and just attach dynamite to it and drop it out of a plane, and that's it. Done. Perfect. You know, it's very simple to make. Now, what it does is it blisters your your mucous membranes, like your eyes, your nose, your mouth. But once you breathe it in, it blisters your lungs. And then your lungs can't absorb oxygen, and you suffocate on your own pus. Basically you, you drown in your own pus in your lungs. So it's not fun. That sounds not horrible. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that's, yeah. Actually, that's pretty much what I got here for Urban Tactics. What do you think? Uh, now, well, there's a couple things that I would add. Um, one, being the sharpshooter um, is going to be an asset, right? Having the skills, um, if you really feel that there's not a chance that you're going to be able to get a gun in the city where you are, and that's possible, you know, maybe you're in London, something like that, right? London, somehow the bad guys always have machine guns. Because, I mean, if you're going to have an illegal weapon, it may as well be a machine gun. I mean, come on, right? That's a given. You never see bad guys in, you know, European countries without full auto. Because why? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't it be full auto? Right. Um, So, anyway, if you feel that, you may want to learn some kind of um, self-defense where you utilize your body and things like that. Um, Something like Krav Maga or something along that line. Um, that might really be something you want to work on with your fitness and stepping up. Honestly, um, people think it's a, you know, me and Kevin are joking and whatever, but parkour is really something. And there are actually classes and places that teach this. And it's really something neat that you might want to get into where you can work on your fitness and, you know, really utilize your surroundings. Obviously it would benefit everybody. Um, but yeah, I, out I actually, in the country. Remember, yeah, go ahead. A few, uh, few a while back, I wish I could say a few years ago. It wasn't really that long ago, but I was having a drink with my accountant, and sure. uh, he goes, "Hey, you want to you want to do something really cool?" I said, "Yeah, I guess." He goes, "Let's go on a mission." Yeah. And so little did I know that he was a parkour, a hobbyist in his free time. So he takes me back behind this building. We climb up on top of a dumpster jump off off the dumpster and pull, pull himself up on a roof of a building. And he's got... And at that point, you were winded? To roof. Yeah. Like, I'm some sort of 20-year-old 20, 20 asshole. Yeah. You know, I'm 35. My, my joints don't work like they used to. You know, now I'm even older. I don't even know if I could get myself up on the dumpster, let alone up on the building. But, you know, it is something to uh, keep in mind that in an urban area like that, those sorts of, you know, things come in handy. Being able to do a couple of pull-ups, you know, that sort of stuff, you know, it's worth worthwhile. Know how to jump from a, from a, you know, a little bit of a height so you don't hurt yourself. You know, those are things that, you know, it's, I mean, it's not bad. Know, just like fear, out fear. in the country, we practice country things, you know, blowing things up and, you know, whatever it is that country boys do. You know, I always saw the Dukes of Hazard with the dynamite on the arrow. You know what I'm talking right? about. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Um some kind of can cannon. I don't know if you guys know about that, but uh, anyway, moving right along, that, that's the new Dukes of Hazard bow and arrow is the the can cannon. But uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So anyway, there uh, there are lots of things that country boys do, and there's things that cities boys do. And I gotta say, something like parkour is going to be so much more important to somebody who's in the city than to somebody who's, you know, out in the country. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, being able to get around and move quickly and look for opportunities would help anybody. But yeah. I'm just saying there are definitely options out there, things that are geared towards your environment. Um, right. You know, quick movement, clearing buildings. Clearing buildings is a real good tactic that I would spend some time watching YouTube on. Um, 
you know, we're looking at starting fires and doing things out in the woods, cooking, killing deer, picking berries. Um, if I lived in the city, well, you're going to need all these steps once you get to the country. So you kind of got to double up your preps. That's kind of the cost of living in the city, but Mm -hmm. you also need to be able to get out. And in order to get out, there's a lot of things you need to look at. You also want to consider people have different routes out of the city. Now, if you're in New York, everyone's like, oh, well, I come in and out on the George Washington bridge or the Lincoln tunnel. Um, the, there's a couple of, you know, key funnel bottlenecks and shit. If you can get there quick enough, that's going to be the way to go. But there's a good chance that everybody is going to be like, oh, going for the big bridges, you know, and they're going to go right to it. So the things to consider are maybe, hey, it's an island. What do people have on islands? How would you get off that? Wait, there are boats, There are all Mm -hmm. kinds of piers and boats and ships, and those things are going to be taken. But I feel like if you're fast acting, you might be able to get out. And especially if you planned a route and you looked around and scoped out, you know, the marinas and kind of figured out what's there for you. I mean, even better if you own it, but even if you don't, if there was an EMP and everything went out, I think I would find somebody's boat and I would roll off that island. Um, But these are things. See, I whisper so that way you guys don't really hear it. Like, shh, you know, that, yeah. nobody's listening. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Um, no, but I would but say that's – have a plan. You live it. Yeah. You, you have to have a plan on how to get out of there fast. Um, right. You know, you don't, you don't want to have to go like, uh, well, shit, I guess I'm stuck here. Let's go back and listen to Chuck and Kevin's podcast. No, that's not the position. You that window be. closed, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, we don't have all the answers for your specific situation, but we're going to give you, hey, these are the you know things I need to worry about. Like, I need to worry about how am I getting out of here fast? Because hunkering down and waiting for things to settle down in a city that's not getting support from the outside is not going to be a good situation. Every day, people who are crazy are going to get more and more fortified and it's going to get worse and worse for you. So you need to start thinking and moving quickly. And the resources and opportunities of how to get out are going to slowly, you know, or actually quickly close. The opportunities are going to, you know, shrink away and you're going to be stuck. So being able to, one, communicate, get together with your family, you know, get all the people you're worried about together and be able to get them out of Dodge is going to be a, uh, you know, how quickly you move is going to be a key factor in your success. Um, definitely very important that you guys have a plan, know where you're going to be. I don't know if, if you guys actually live in New York City, you hear all kinds of ready.gov, ready.nyc.gov kind of uh, stuff telling you that you need to have a plan. You need to have a a you know, bag. And yet if you do these things, you become a terror watch list person. So I haven't really figured that out. They run ads telling you to be prepared to have food storage, to have water storage. And then, Oh, you have food storage and water storage. You might be part of the problem. Yeah. So you're, you're one of those right wing militia types, aren't you? You're, you're in a militia is the way I see it. And that's the thing. Not everybody has to be, you know, crazy. I don't like my government to be prepared. 
And that's what you need to understand. You know, being prepared is something everyone should do. Everyone should be able to take care of their own. It's your responsibility as I, I say as a man, but as a parent, as a human being, as you know, somebody looking out for somebody else, it's your job to take care of the people you care about. And that's what you do by preparing. Um, if you're slow and lazy, then the world will pass you by, you know, you got to keep moving and keep getting things in order. But that's the way I see it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things though, that, um, you know, not everybody has the option to live out on five acres in the middle of nowhere. Um, right. And, you know, I get that. I get that. Some people's jobs require them to be in, in a city and in an urban area, but you just need to be conscientious of, you know, right. of the dangers that you're facing. Cause if a city, when a city blacks blackouts or, you know, gets a blackout or something, big snowstorm or something like that. If you live in a city, you know how quickly things break down, you know? Right. Um, and you know, if you're thinking about getting out when something like that happens, just remember everybody else is also thinking the same thing. So exactly. that's all I have to say about and that. Being two steps ahead by making a plan now, you know, will get you out. And I know we've talked about September 11th happened and how cell phones were down in New York for, you know, forever. You couldn't get in touch with anybody. Texting was barely going through. Obviously, you know, texting, you have a way better shot than a phone call, but that wasn't working then either. They just were shutting it down. And, you know, you can expect those things to happen again you know i i know it sounds like well it's unreasonable well it's happened so it's not mm -hmm. completely unreasonable you know um right. yeah we don't expect that kind of thing to happen again but you know the world keeps changing and honestly i feel like it's not necessarily changing for the better so right. being prepared and having a plan is not necessarily a bad move and just saying, hey, you know, if you're here, where would you go? You know, talk to your kids, talk to your wife. You know, maybe it's just you and your wife and you're like, well, we're both adults. We can both handle our own business. Well, yeah, but what would you do? You're going to leave the city without your wife? You're going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, she'll, she'll work it out. Um, I mean, and maybe that is your plan. Maybe it's like, hey, I work on this side of the city. You work on that side of the city. Let's both, you have a plan to get from here to here. And then we'll meet up over there and I have a plan to get from here to here. And once we're both off the Island, then we're going to meet in the middle, you know, somewhere else. That's okay. But have a plan. Know that something's happening and know if, Hey, if you get stuck, stop at this point and that's where I'll come look for you next. You know, um, I, I know it sounds ridiculous and, and over redundant, um, but, you know, if you care about people, you take a couple extra steps. You do what you have to do to look out for each other. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of that prepper mindset. I mean, that's why we do what we do. If we don't care about anybody but ourselves, well, shit, we can just, you know, hunker down, you know. We'll just fill our place with crap and uh, shoot anybody that comes close. But mm -hmm. uh, to me, that's not a realistic plan for life, you know. that That's not not practical. Um, no. but I if mean, you, you were be, planning, right. you need to be prepared for, you know, to be able to help out your neighbor too. You know, it's not just about yourself and your family. That's priority number one, but you know, nobody wants to see their friends, you know, going short on food or the friend's kids going short on food, you know, 
This is, it's not really just about preparing yourself, but preparing to help out, you know, during an emergency for other people. But do remember that people are like stray dogs. You feed them once, they're just going to keep coming back and then coming back. Just like that homeless guy you gave a dollar to once. Yeah. Yeah. You know how that works out, right? So Mm -hmm. last thing I have for you is, Hey, maybe you want to step up your shooting. Maybe you're going to the gun club. Maybe you are shooting in the city. There are ways to do it. It's not easy, but nothing in life ever is, right? Um, The harder steps you do, the bigger the payoff. That's the way I see it. But uh, you are going to the shooting range. There is a great product from Pact.com called the Club Timer 3. And this is basically a timer that alerts you, hey, and you do your quick draw and it records when the shot's fired. And the way that works and that's going to benefit you is you can see your time, see what movements you take and work to improve it. And I was actually able to cut my time almost in half on my quick draw once I was able to time it and see what changes I could make in order to you know, improve it, um, see what steps work faster, work slower. Anyway, pack.com, you guys could check it out. They have a great product. Um, they were happy to, you know, throw us some support for mentioning them. And I got to tell you, I'm happy they did because it really is a great product and I'm happy to, you know, stand behind it. So with that, stay safe and we'll talk to you guys next week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.